Welcome to The Green Rush, a podcast about the intersection of cannabis, the capital markets, and culture. On a weekly basis, hosts Ann Donahoe and Nick Opich of KCSA Strategic Communications speak with the business leaders, financial experts, cultural icons, legislators, and generally interesting people moving the cannabis industry forward. This week, Ann and Nick are chatting with Greg Wagner, CEO of Raya Group, a connected device and data company focused on using its technology to help doctors, clinics, and dispensaries monitor and manage the effects of different formulations of cannabis on patients. Greg has spent the last 20 plus years working in financial markets and as an entrepreneur and recently took over the helm of Raya, helping the company to develop key research partnerships with organizations like Medican in the UK and the University of Milan. Ann and Nick sat down with Greg to learn more about the company and its most recent listing on the CSE, Raya's IP portfolio, and the rise of the Internet of Things, or IoT, in the cannabis space and how the data his company is collecting can bridge the knowledge gap for the medical cannabis industry. So don't sit back, lean forward, and enjoy our conversation with Greg Wagner of the Raya Group. All right, Greg Wagner, CEO of Raya Group. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Nick. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. So first off, can you just tell us our tell us and our audience a little bit about yourself and what got you into the medical plant industry? Yeah, it's a good question. It's an interesting story. Um, I'm a former Wall Street veteran. I spent 22 years running front office businesses um, uh, in financial services uh, on the trading side. Um, <clears throat> I have an economics degree and an MBA in finance from Fordham University. I am also certified in innovation and strategy from Harvard University. Um, I was recruited uh, by Raya uh, around mid 2019. So I've been here around two and a half years. Um, somebody found my resume on an obscure <laughs> website and called me. And you know what? I, I left the financial markets industry in 2015. I had created some somewhat successful startups on my own and I was into the innovation and entrepreneurship and was really interested in what um, Raya was doing. I'm not a medical device expert by any means, but um, I'm a quick learner and I'm a good executor. And I came to the company because I was completely floored with the amount of data this company had collected over the last seven years. They probably have, I don't know, top five or six largest privately owned databases in cannabis. So it is truly a data story. Um, I was enamored by that. And here we are. Well, you guys have had quite a journey because you're a, a relatively young company and you guys just kind of started to take off when COVID hit. <laughs> um, can you talk about how that changed your plans, how it upended, how or not? I mean, I, th I think it probably upended a little bit because the world was upended. Um, but what was that like in that environment? Did you think that maybe this was the wrong move or I made a mistake or holy shit? <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, all of that, right? So, um, I, you know, this company has been around a while. It has uh, pivoted a number of times. It's been around since 2014. It started off as a, uh, we call it a strain recommendation engine where patients would put in information about their efficacy goals and then find strains and a community of people where they can find similar products that work for them. 
but uh, and then we evolved into this sort of you know vaporizer device company, a single a single um, uh, you know IoT device. We are now uh, not thanks to COVID, but because of COVID, we have a much more refined focus. Um, we understand that telehealth and remote dosing solutions are not going away. Uh, we are now completely evolved into what I would call sort of this pioneering. IoT device and digital care platform. Our goal is to help capture complex data points so that doctors and clinics can create highly personalized, highly customized dosing regimens for patients and done in a remote manner so that they can monitor these patients remotely and the patients don't have to always go into the office. And COVID really for lack of a better term, helped us narrow our focus and find our niche, which is really in that clinical space. Um, you're not going to find Raya devices in a gas station or a hookah lounge. This is a true med tech story, um, but but really data is at the core and remote dosing is, the co at, is at also the core. And that is a largely a part of that COVID crisis. I think the interesting thing about COVID, too, is it also brought to the fore um, how much we rely on data and science and how much it really matters to literally everybody on the planet. Um, and I think that having, um, when you talk about dosing, when you talk about data, I would imagine that it's much easier for doctors to feel more comfortable knowing that there is robust data behind um, some of the the, the medications, um, you know, plant or otherwise that they're giving their patients. So are you hearing from doctors like, thank you or more, or are they helping you tweak it? Like what's, what's the vibe from the doctors? Uh, I, I hope I can restrain myself because this is a very passionate topic. <laughs> Don't restrain uh, yourself. Uh, it's Friday. <laughs> I, 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 I think there's a massive data gap a massive data gap in, in plant-based medicine. I frankly don't think people know what the hell is going on in their bodies. Um, this is a very complicated plant, extremely complicated plant, and it's evolving very quickly. Let's put it this way. This plant is probably twice as strong on average than it was 20 years ago. It affects all sorts of demographics differently. Um, people have CB2, one and CB2 receptors, and those receptors have a different impact on the type of dosing that each demographic or each person should take. Um, and, and really, we do see a cultural shift toward um, plant-based medicine, at least in North America. Um, we are starting to see a regulatory shift in the United States toward plant-based medicine. And that's frankly because... You know, more Americans died last year overdosing from complex opioid drugs than all of the Americans that died in the Vietnam War. We know this is not going away, right? But the challenge is it's not the, not the patients and not the regulators, it's the doctors. They're just not there yet. They don't have enough data, in my view, to confidently endorse and prescribe plant-based medicine en masse. It's just not there. We are not trying to participate in closing that data gap. We're looking to lead the industry in the data in closing the data gap by providing captive date, dosing data wrapped around the patient's demographics and all encompassing around the entire lab results of that strain. So a doctor can look at things like, what was the difference between the harvest date of that plant and a dosing date? Did it affect that person differently? There's a very powerful tool that can be unwrapped and we're moving ever so closely to getting that community um, to, to use this data and unlock the secrets of cannabis and, and more confidently prescribe the medicine. But we have a ways to go.
Yeah. And we've talked with, you know, doctors and regulators on this podcast before about that need for data really to be able to finally get over that those last couple of hurdles to where plant medicine can be fully accepted in society. And one of the things that you guys have recently announced is that um, you shipped, I think it was about 10,000 of your Raya Smart Dry Herb inhalers um, over to the UK, which I think is really interesting for a study with MedCan. Can you talk about where that study's at right now and uh, what it means for you guys? Yeah, I mean, that's that's um, one of our differentiators. We have been selected to participate in what we think is the world's largest clinical trial ever to be conducted in cannabis. It's being done out of the UK. It is a privately funded study determining the efficacy of chronic pain on a single strain of cannabis. We are the device and data solution for that trial. It is an MHRA sanctioned study. Um, this study is... Um, somewhere between 50 to 100,000 patients. That's the target over five years. Um, and we were selected because, like I said, guys, we're not just a device company. This is a device and data story. We have created a customized, dedicated mobile application on the App Store and Google Play just for this trial. So when a patient logs into that application, their dosing is locked, their temperature is locked, and all of the questionnaires are customized for this trial. So we've reduced as many of the variables in gathering data from the patients as we possibly can to make this trial as valid as possible. Now, we're delivering hundreds of APIs directly to the clinic's EHR system so that if a patient is not doing well throughout this trial, let's say they give it two out of 10 out of one of their questionnaires a couple of times, the clinic is immediately alerted and they can actually reduce that patient's dosing immediately or take them off the trial. And that was a critical component, in my view, for getting this trial sanctioned. Our goal is to replicate these large trials using uh, customized mobile app solutions and enterprise data around the world. And so this is just the beginning of what I think is an enterprise clinical um, framework that we're helping develop worldwide. Uh, and yes, the trial is 18 months delayed thanks to COVID, but it's now it's happening and 10,000 cartridges were delivered to start that process. And we're gonna have some very exciting news, I think in the next two weeks on the progress and launch of that trial. Uh, we've talked with a number of companies, not a number of companies, a few companies about um, this idea of precision medicine. Um, and it seems like this goes really hand in glove with what with what you're doing and what with what you described with this study. So you're able to literally adjust in real time the dose, the, you know, whatever the, the different variables are in order to keep the patient in the study and to keep the data clean, right? Or keep the data relevant. That is, that's a critical component. I mean, it, you know, this is a this is a system designed to, you know, control dose and measure dose. Um, for example, th th these are controlled by devices, by apps that we build in house. So the apps turn on a device, the apps turn off the device. And when a patient reaches his dosing limit, the app turns off the device. So it's really designed to um, prevent misuse and overuse and allow for even beginners uh, who are trying to wean away from opioids to become more comfortable with the start small and going slow process of learning what is the right strain at the right temperature at the right time of day at the right dose for that patient. The apps 
are extremely intelligent. They don't recommend, but it does learn over time based on multiple efficacy goals, what worked for that patient based on their feedback. And with Raya MD being launched soon, the doctor and patient will have a virtual uh, collaboration online where a doctor can prescribe a dose to the patient on their portal and the patient will open their app and see that prescription and they select yes and the dosing and temperature is locked according to the doctor's recommendations. That is true remote telehealth solution and that is coming very soon. Wow. You know, you talked about that's that's really cool. Um, you talked about these inhalers. Can you talk about some of the other devices that are in your suite of tools? Yeah, all of our devices are, are smart devices. They're all controlled by individual mobile applications that we that we built. Um, we don't outsource any of that. So the, the next product that is coming out, we've talked about this for a while, but it's taken almost two years for us to develop this, is a smart patch. Um, essentially, um, it is a patch with a brain that sits on top of the patch that you could put on anywhere on top of your body. And frankly, what it allows you to do, if we get this right, and we will, is that you could turn on and off your dosing on your shoulder or wherever your patch is with your iPhone. That has never been done before in plant-based medicine. And what it does is it not only allows us to um, expand into different medical verticals like pediatrics, because really children shouldn't be vaping. So um, if you look at ADHD and, and epilepsy, this is a patch for, for medical cannabis that is useful for a different medical market. And now, it's also useful for a different economic market. It is way less expensive than a vaporizer or an inhaler. And you're looking at now, obviously having opportunities to attack um, and penetrate emerging markets where you know a $299 inhaler isn't going to work for certain budgets, but a $50 patch that's a one-time purchase uh, brain and the patches are $5 each all day uh, prescription, that will work. Uh, and so, you know, that is just one of our innovations and we continue to write code every day. Well, eventually what we're going to be doing is we're gonna have enough devices out there that we're gonna become completely agnostic to the delivery mechanism, whether it's um, inhalation, whether it's patch, whether it's tincture, and become agnostic to the medicine type, whether it's dry herb, whether it's oil, whether it's water soluble, and guess what guys, agnostic to the, the medicine itself. We're not married to cannabis. By providing these devices and data, we will work with formulation partners on any sorts of medication that may work. Maybe female hormone therapy on the patch, who knows? We also have a wellness line coming out on the patch. So we'll be looking at CBD patches, um, potentially um, uh, melatonin patches and caffeine patches that we control since they're over the counter, they're not controlled substances. We will control both the formulation and the devices capturing the full revenue stream. And that is coming soon. That's so interesting. I, I Have you guys explored yeah. psychedelics at all within this? <laughs> uh, you know, not yet. And again, we're, we're, we're open to that. We, 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 we look for the right formulation partners who know what they're doing. So remember, we're not farmers and we're not you know medical formulation companies. So if we're approached by a psychedelic company with, that might be interested in using our products, we'd be more than happy to research that and work together in collaboration. Yeah, is that's part of the big conversation in that industry right now is getting the the dosage information like down to the exact science so that you can know you know how it works with the patients and be able to collect all that data. It sounds like a lot of what you guys are doing could could translate really well into that industry. 
Yeah, it's one of our competitive modes, right? The, the first mode, we have four competitive modes. One, we want we own all of our IP, right? We everything we build is in-house. We don't we don't farm out anything. Number two, we are device and data story. Most people are either devices or data, and they don't have both. Number three, Again, we're not married to cannabis. We're uh, agnostic to the medicine type. If it works with our devices, we're willing to do it. And number four, this is a medical story. We're going to be one of three companies with medical device certification. And then when that happens, we become less price sensitive because when you're dealing with statutory insurance reimbursement and putting, you know, investing in a medical device mandate, you do become less price sensitive because that insurance reimbursement does help. And like I said, it's almost a blue ocean strategy. We're talking two, three, maybe four competitors worldwide that have medical device certification. That is game changing for us. And uh, as we finish our ISO 1345 uh, medical certification audit this week, I am I'm very, um, very optimistic about the results. And we hope to have that announcement quite soon. Well, yeah, keep us posted on the results. We would love to be able to, if this episode comes out after um, those are published, we'd love to be able to include them in uh, our show notes and share them with uh, all our listeners. Done deal. Yep. Um, I also do want to shift the conversation a little bit. Um, a couple months ago, you guys recently just debuted on the Canadian Securities Exchange. Can you talk about why that was important for you guys to, to do that now and you know what being publicly listed now does for the company? Yeah, it's a really good question. And, and to be perfectly honest with you, this decision was made before I got to the company. Um, th this was a train in motion and it was a lot of stops and starts. Um, and frankly, I got to tell you, it was an exercise in stamina trying to get lifted in the middle of a COVID crisis. I, I, you can imagine how challenging it is to squeeze funding out, but we, we got it done. Um, this company has raised about $9 million between 2014 and 2019, and we, we raised an additional 4 million Canadian with this RTO closer. Um, this is not our final stop. Um, I think the CSC is a good starting point for us really to get our governance sorted out and prepare the company to start acting like a corporation and less than a startup because we're now getting into this. We are now post revenue and with our current run rate, we should be in a profitable run rate at least this time next year, which will bring in a different kind of investor. So we are looking at um, with this governance that we've established for the CSC, we are looking at an LSE listing, an LSE London Stock Exchange listing on AIM. Um, it, it's, it just makes perfect sense. 80% of our revenues, if you look at a map about Raya's footprint, we're, we're covering the map of, of the European continent, and we're sort of just getting into the United States because of the regulations are starting to shift. We're following the regulations. So um, our products, 80% of our revenues will probably come from the UK and European continent for the next two years. And so we just really think that our capital markets should really fit our product strategy as well and our product footprint. We are very well known over there. We're just getting started here. It's interesting, but uh, and that's really a lot to do with the regulation. But we're um, we've hired, you know, 120 years of medical device experience on our team uh, in North America to really attack this um, this market. Um, you know, you're talking about senior retired ex Johnson and Johnson executives working for this company, senior ex Pfizer medical device executives retired working for this company. And why are they here? They're here because they believe in the company and their partners want them out of the house and to, to keep busy and have a great Rolodex <laughs> and they want, to, they want to be part of something and they believe in it. And I, 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 we're really enamored and proud to have them. When you talk about, um, you know, most of your footprint and um, 
brand knowledge is in is in um, awareness rather is in is in Europe and and the UK. Um, from the US standpoint, I would imagine it is just a web of well, we already I don't have to imagine it's a web of crazy regulations and um, state by state laws and everything. Is there one specific um, regulation or or crazy law that is like giving you the ma a major headache or um, if there's too many to name, what are you, what from, from the, the deregulation side, what are you looking for? What's your like goal or what, what's your, um, is it legalization? Is it, is it uh, rescheduling? Like what's the, the, the Mecca for you guys to be like, okay, we're, we're in the States. We're ready to go. Let's scale. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, you know, I, I don't want to get into specific regulation, but at a high level, you know, the federal regulations are still bifurcated from state regulations. And frankly, it makes our job harder because we do need to knock on every single clinical door in every single state. And our company this size, you know, that's not fun. Um, you know, our goals are to, you know, one day penetrate the Mayo Clinic and John, you know, Johns Hopkins University, you never know. And that's really our market. Um, and that's why we've hired these ambassadors in the US, these medical device, senior seasoned executives uh, to start to do that and lay the framework. But I got to tell you, you know, banking is not easy, even though we're not a cannabis company per se. Um, a lot of the banking uh, facilities see us as effectively connected to cannabis because our partners use that. That's a quite annoying, to be honest with you. But uh, we have three good banking relationships in the United States and we have one in Canada. Um, you know, again, we don't touch medicine. Um, uh, but again, sometimes we get caught up in the rules and regulations. We certainly got caught up in Vapegate in um, in the United States with all of that, um, you know, these e-cigarettes that are not they're not vaporizers. They're atomizers that, you know, explode a drop of oil onto a hot nail, creating a, a aerosol that creates tiny droplets that stick to kids lungs and causes problems. That's not what we do. But but again, that wasn't um, you know, it wasn't easy for us to navigate around that. We were able to do that and show how different we were. But. Um, I really, really, really would like to see a, you know, a federally homogenous and state homogenous mandate in the United States. Again, going back to the opioid crisis, um, in order to really beat that and really to get the federal regulations to, um, to really become homogenous, they need data. And we are talking to senators or uh, partners of senators, uh, former senators, to help them um, make more informed decisions and access this data in a HIPAA compliant fashion. Everything's going to be anonymous, of course. Um, and, and that's really where we're pushing this industry. Yeah, I think that's really the uh, the most important work is just, you know, getting the, the government regulators, getting them to think outside the box on all this stuff. Um, so um, God bless you with that with that effort. I know it's going to be really hard. Um, but, well, look, yeah, good, good luck. Good or bad, good or bad. <laughs> let them have the data, whatever. Let them make the informed decisions. And that's what we need. And I think you're starting to see a lot more clinical trials happening, but we're just scratching the surface. We have a clinical trial starting in Miami next month. Uh, we have a clinical trial, you know, starting in the University of Milan to, to conduct a conversion curve of milliliters to milligrams. Um, you know, there's a lot going on and, and really being published in medical, um, you know, uh, components is a heck of a lot more powerful than any press release we could ever do. So we continue to push um, through this, these you know, medical and clinical um, uh, studies and mandates, and uh, that's where we'll get our name out. So the Milan study is really just... Because, because the U.S. or 
it's really just a study in the metric system. <laughs> like we have to do that well, so that we can uh, move forward. <laughs> it's, re it's really closing the gap between what doctors are used to administrating and what the patients are actually intaking. So let's take an example. Doctors, when they administer or recommend or prescribe cannabis, they do it in milligrams. But when you inhale, you know, uh, uh, use an inhaler, you're inhaling milliliters of vapor. And so how do we get the doctor to feel comfortable about what they're doing to what the patient is taking? We've created an entire conversion curve so that at any strain, at any dose, at any temperature, the doctors can confidently prescribe in milligrams and that will convert automatically into milliliters into the patient's dosing instantly. No one's ever done that before. So now we've, we've closed and reduced another barrier for entry for doctors to more confidently prescribe, recommend, assess, and analyze plant-based medicine you know, um, dosing. So you've mentioned a, a, a number of things, the University of Milan, I think you said the University of Miami, you guys are doing the, these different projects with it. Is there one thing you know, that has you most excited about the growth of Raya, you know, for, for 2021 or beyond? Yeah, I think, you know, with the launch of the Raya, um, Raya patch, which will be less than three months, with the launch of Raya MD, a true tele-dosing solution dedicated to plant-based medicine, again, early Q4, early Q1, 2022, and our medical device mandate, that we're, we're, that will separate us from the rest of the packs. You know, we're looking at <clears throat> going to Health Canada Class 2 medical device certification right away, going to TGA certification in Australia right away, going to EU MDR certification right away. And of course, we're already in the application mode for MHRA approval in the United Kingdom. Like I said, when you combine devices and data, a portfolio of IP that we own, we have the world's first patent ever granted in artificial intelligence in plant-based medicine. So we're very serious about data. When you combine the IP with the devices and data, very powerful tools, along with a medical device mandate, that's pretty exciting stuff. There's nothing like that out there. And that's why uh, I'm happy to be here. I'm, it's, it's, it really sells itself. You know, it, it's, it makes my job a lot easier, to be honest with you. I definitely feel the passion and I think that's great. And I would be excited as one of your investors um, to just, you know, I think, I think being passionate is, is really important when it comes to leading a company. Um, are you, what's the biggest untold story, um, in this industry? So if you were to open the wall street journal tomorrow or the New York times or the Miami Herald and you had your dream headline, what would that be? My dream headline would be we create a interoperable framework for all clinics to use and share data to create scale and leverage by combining all of their findings on a single operating system um, funded and, and created by Raya so that a clinic in Cleveland, a clinic in Florida, a clinic in Milan, a clinic everywhere around the world can share data and find um, similar, um, you know, uh, data points to create that scale and, and information that's needed to change regulation. That would be, you know, my ideal. And that is, that is the future, really. I love it. Greg Wagner, Chief Executive Officer of Raya. Check them out at riagroup.com. That's R-Y-A-H group.com. And check them out on the CSE under the ticker Raya, R-Y-A-H. Greg, thanks so much. Thanks for having me, guys. 
Thanks again to Greg Wagner, CEO of Raya. As Ann said, check them out at www.ryahgroup.com and on the CSE with the ticker symbol RYAH. And as always, thanks for listening to The Green Rush. If you want to chat with Ann or I, you can find us on Twitter at the handle at the underscore Green Rush or on Instagram at the Green Rush underscore podcast. Drop us an email at greenrush at kcsa.com and make sure to subscribe to Green Rush in your favorite podcatcher and to our weekly newsletter. That's one take, Shane. One take.